This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I am here as always, Zach Lee, on a Monday night just after the Bears lost um, what you could only describe as the latest in kind of most depressing basement lows as they dropped the game to the Vikings 19 to 13 at home and to pick it all apart to discuss our feelings the Bears how those things intermingle it's Ricky O'Donnell Ricky what's going on man well, Zach, I think that was every Bears game I've ever watched my entire life, really. It hit all the beats. It was 7-6 to six at halftime. It was a special teams touchdown. It was the defensive stars making big plays with the Cleo Mack interception. Uh, but, you know, these are games that basically come down to a coin flip in terms of if you're able to win them or not. At the beginning of the season, the Bears were able to win these games. Now it's loss, 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 loss. What is it, four in a row at this point? So uh, that was a brutal football game from a fan enjoyment perspective. I think it's – we'll get into this, but it's it's possible that the Bears season is now, if not dead, it's absolutely on life support, uh, just totally blowing this 5-1 and one start. And it's it's just unbelievable, dude, how it's just the same problems, not only week after week, but year after year and decade after decade. It's just it's truly like it verges on the point of comedy. It does. Uh, Ricky, I don't really believe in this theory that, that we're in a simulation. But if I were to, this would be the evidence I point to most of all. I, It's boring that the Bears generationally seem to find their way to these like the formula of tonight and exactly what you just put forth which is a special teams touchdown uh defensive excellence playmaking you know all the mocks you'd ever want and a completely broken offense and then a killer injury right at the end just to really like drive home how terrible your night is and you end up feeling Sad and gross, I guess is how I feel right now. Sad and gross. Not mad. I like I think if you've listened to this pod any of the last few weeks, lots of mad, lots of butt hurt, lots of like bitch moan and complaining. I just kind of feel sad. It was sad seeing Nick Foles get carted off to an empty stadium uh with you know a broken ass. I don't really it's it's not entirely clear what what's going on with him, and I certainly don't want to make light of it. It looks like he's seriously injured, given that he had to get carted off. But it was just kind of like that was the the final part where I'm like, aha! Like that's the icing on the Bears' complete meltdown cake, which is a crestfallen you know teammates as a critical player is taken off the the field from injury. I I don't know where to start, um, but my eyes keep going to the box score and this thing that says the bears had 32 yards of offense in the second half, Ricky. 
32 yards. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's hilarious. <clears throat> like, you know, Patrick Mahomes could put up 32 points in a quarter. The Bears had 32 yards of offense in the second half of an NFL football game. It, to say the Bears' offense is broken, I feel like is kind of cruel to the word broken. It's not mm, – no. It's not – What what's fixable here? Where Like, oh, here we Bro, are. The Bears... Something has to be whole before it's broken. Mm, you know? Mm, There's nothing it... breaking here. It's just been – it's been a steaming pile of garbage, uh, really, since the first week of the season. Like, even when they were winning those games, it was like, okay, yeah, Mitch Trubisky's just going to throw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Oh, we're just going to pull another massive comeback with Foles against Atlanta. It's been bad the entire year. Really, like, league-worst levels of bad, and it's not getting any better. I think that that is perhaps the uh, the bigger takeaway with Nick Foles in charge and with the you know the change in play calling this week to Bill Lazor, uh, you saw no significant improvement from the Bears' offense whatsoever this week. Nick Foles ends the game with 106 yards passing. It's like, come on, bro, 4.1 yards per attempt. What are we doing uh, here? The Bears had 149 total yards in Bill Lazor's uh, offensive play calling debut. And even given that, it's not like I'm like, Bill Lazor, he can't call a play. Although there were plenty of moments in this game where – you know, I, I certainly questioned what was being put on the field. I think some of that is the nature of where the Bears are right now, which is that every play call that doesn't work out for whatever reason is just highly questionable. Uh, other teams that have, you know, positive offenses that put up points, you kind of forgive bad plays and they just kind of wash away. Whereas here they just stick out so much because, you know, there's so much riding on every play to be a good one, given that if the Bears are behind the sticks for even a second, you know, it's it's not going to work out. I Let me ask you this. Okay, let's start here, because this really surprised me. Ricky, you know, you're a casual Bears fan. You watch the games, you know what's going on, and you have the breadth of history to understand it. You kind of understand the, the general picture of the NFL as well. How, what would you say, by DVOA, the Bears offensive line is ranked right now. Just throw a number out there. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I would probably guess 26. Uh, we, we have to break it up because they do this by run blocking and pass pro. So sure. please give me that. Okay. So by run blocking, I mean, the run game has been so bad the entire year. So I'm going to guess 29, uh, 28, 28 and run blocking. I'm going to guess. Okay. So we'll just we'll focus on this one first. The Bears are 21st in run blocking. There are yeah, there are 10 teams. I, my math sucks. 10, 11, 10 teams that are worse at this than the Bears are. That's Philadelphia, Arizona, Buffalo, Indianapolis, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Denver, Houston, Miami, Cincinnati and the New York Giants. And that seems inexplicable to me. And by the way, you know, I really appreciate football outsiders. I appreciate the statistics they put forth for free. Um, this isn't uh, an end-all, be-all evaluation of of the quality of a team and an offensive line, but there are a lot of really good football teams, winning football teams listed after the Bears in run blocking. It seems inexplicable to me that they're somehow not like 33rd in the league. Like they, they just skipped a spot from 31st and just went, no, 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 we can't even put them last. We have to go even further down to 33rd. Nope, the Bears are 21st. We'll see what happens after tonight, but 21st in the league in run blocking. Inexplicable. That and is then, kind of shocking to me because there are so many teams that seem like they're like, quote-unquote, tanking for Trevor at this point in the season. So I am surprised by that. And, and then just to you know finish the point, uh, pass pro, you want to go for that one? Let's do it. I mean, just take a guess. I'm again, I, you know. Uh... Now I'm going to guess higher than I would have before. So now I'm going to guess 20th. I mean, you're close. They're 17th in the league. Wow. They're they're middle of the league in in pass pro. So this this ongoing narrative, which I've perpetuated, that the Bears' offensive line is trash beyond trash and that it is sort of the genesis of the many things wrong with this team doesn't really hold water statistically. Now, I'm watching these games and, and – uh, I, I have this feeling, my guy, that it's like it's like the things that are wrong with this team. Each each one 
exacerbates the faults of another, right? So you have an immobile quarterback that um, crumbles under pressure. You have an offensive line that uh, gives up pressure, although, you know, not all the time, not horribly, but gives up some pressure and so creates a situation for that quarterback. And then you have a play-calling system and an offensive scheme that exacerbates both of those faults. And it's just like they don't even take turns to see who could fail first. It's just one here, two there, all three at the same time. And it makes it really, really difficult to evaluate this team in any sort of way holistically. You'd kind of just end up going at the end like, never mind, man. Never mind. I don't, maybe I don't want to be a football fan this week. Yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. It's like, where do you even begin to approach the problems with the Bears? It's like, they're just like, you know, deeply embedded problems in the history of the franchise that they just can't seem to shake. Like, why? So, like, Jalen Johnson, I, I saw a lot of talk about Jalen Johnson this week, right? Like, mm. it's one guy I follow who I think is really smart across all sports. His name's Phil. Phil tweeted his handles advanced stats 23. And Phil tweeted... Jalen Johnson looks like a future number one corner. Great Boy. pick by the Bears. So I love that, right? Like, Jalen Johnson's been pretty sick. He did get hurt in this game, and when he got hurt, the Bears immediately allowed a touchdown. But, and I'm not like, I don't want to be the, the rich man who's complaining about his wealth, but, like, why is it always a defensive player, and why is it never, like, a game-breaking offensive player? Like, ever. Like, over seven, eight decades. It's just... Always, always a young, good-looking defensive player. I don't want to complain about it. Jalen Johnson rules, but it's like, dude, the Bears have history going against them in so many ways, and that's all I could think about when I was watching this game. That well, this was just classic fucking Bears in every way. I would say, not to like refute the point, but Jalen Johnson plays on an incredibly talented defense with leadership up and down the pyramid, a scheme that supports that. And he can just kind of fit in as a, an effective role player. Whereas any offensive player that comes in, let's just use Cole Komet as an example, because he's the flashpoint this year. It's like, man, the entire offense would unlock if only. And that's really not, you know, it's unfair to Cole Komet. It's potentially unfair to the, to the bears offense, and offensive coaches to be like, no, if only he, that kid gets, you know, nine targets and six catches a game, then they'll be in a good place. I, I don't think that's that's really what's going on here. It's that there's they don't have the foundational elements to allow people to slot in where they need to. And I mean, you could turn to the way that they're featuring Allen Robinson, the total lack of use of these tight ends that were going to revamp and, you know, uh, renew the Bears offense. Jimmy Graham is allergic to blocking. Uh, I don't understand how they didn't see that one coming, you know, coming into the season. Yet they signed him for all the money they did. Cole Komet, he's a rookie. Uh, he definitely deserves to be involved in the passing game more than he has been. But he was out on routes tonight. Uh, it wasn't like he was, you know, on the sidelines. They did re reduce Demetrius Harris. I, you know. You look at the offensive line, uh, they're on backups all over the place. The tackles can't block. I mean, Charles Leno is hes below average at this point. Uh, and then the right side of the line is a mess. Uh, Rashard Coward and Jermaine Effedi are um, – they're, they're subpar NFL football players, and that's being – it's being kind. I mean, there's there's certainly not starters by any means, and the depth on the offensive line has just been crushed, like – it's tough. Uh, yeah, I saw people being like, well, maybe they should have a quick hook on Infende today. It's like, well, he's already a backup. You're starting your other backup guard to tackle. It's like, what What are you going to do? For who, right? For who? The Bears went two for 13 on third down, 149 total yards. And again, you know, the score looks better than it was. Cordero Patterson took one to the house coming out of the, uh, the halftime tunnel and gave us all that, like, wonderful Bearsy hope uh, that a special teams play will give you. He, you know, credit where credit is due. Cordero Patterson played his ass off tonight. He was in the backfield. He was on punt coverage. He was on special teams uh, returning kicks. I mean, I'm not sure there was a – he's like that high school player. They're like, just go back out there. Go back out there. Just pick a position you like and play it. Uh, he was on the field nonstop, and I thought we might get that Cordero Patterson revenge game because he was drafted by Minnesota back in the day. Alas, um, my guy, I just I keep going back to this last 
drive, and there's 50 seconds left. The Bears have no timeouts, right? So they went for it on the previous drive. The The Bears get the ball uh, in Minnesota Vikings territory, just barely, and make a couple plays to drive, and then you have a fourth down play. And, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about the Bears. I don't know what it is about the Matt Nagy Bears. But, like, they get good protection. They've got the right route. Anthony Miller is streaking open for the game-winning touchdown, and it's just past his hands. You just – like, I, I shouted fuck so loud. So loud. Scared my dog. Sorry, dog. Um, just because – it's been, you know, I wouldn't say three years of this. I would say the last two years. Last year's eight and eight team, and what we have so far with this five and five team. I mean, have has a thirteen and thirteen stretch of football ever been more painful for you as a football fan? This is like, I feel like I do these podcasts, and I the next day I'm like, God, dude, you're just so negative. Like, could you just? shine on the things that are shiny i know it's not going great right now like losses suck but everything has to be picked apart and picked apart and picked apart this is like a painful process there's nothing fun about this right now so my boy sean who runs the no catch-up podcast really good podcast uh from a couple chicago dudes covering all chicago sports he responded to me today after i said that ryan pay should pick his next quarterback out of a hat he said Yo, Rick, I'm going to need a positive tweet from you at some point here tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't got one for you, bro. Fresh I'm all out. out positive tweets. <laughs> I guess we got to talk about the Bulls, if I'm going to say something even mildly positive about my sports teams right now. What a world this is. But I'm totally with you on that Anthony Miller throw, man. Like, First of all, I, I blame that on, on the QB. Like, I get the Foles, like... You know, he kind of, like, evaded the pass rush there. He got the playoff. It's a missed throw. It's a missed throw. It was off his, like, fingertips, and you had people blaming it on Miller. Also, the first pick of the game, which was off Miller's hands, that was a terrible throw by Foles. It was way behind him. It was high. Like, there is a world where Anthony Miller catches that ball, I guess. Uh, Best case scenario from the Bears on that play is like Miller catches it and gets murdered by the defense. Like Foles is just laying his receivers out to dry at that point, hanging them out to dry. Uh, So I blame that on Foles too. Foles is not good, man. Like he's not. I I feel very confident in this evaluation that Nick Foles ain't good. Of course, the Bears have a bad offensive line. They've had very poor play calling. They don't have many weapons on the offense uh, that are you know even average outside of Allen Robinson. Uh, at their positions, but you're man, right. Full, it's becoming clearer and clearer that, yeah, like, so it's becoming clearer and clearer that he is what he's been, which is a guy who caught fire once inexplicably. Like, has anything ever been cl- more clearly like the Will Ferrell trivia answer in old school? I mean, it's like, I, I can't think of another NFL stretch where it was like a guy, I, I suppose he had a, a second when Chip Kelly was the coach and he first came into the league and I, I forget what the statistics were, but something like 25 touchdowns and like three picks or something ridiculous like that. Everybody's like Nick Foles, man, he's the guy. And then he proceeded to suck and get benched immediately and bounced around the league. And then he's in Kansas city as a backup Then he's in Philly as a backup again. Uh, and then he has the, the Philly special run, the super bowl run, which is at this point, has to go down in history as the most inexplicable stretch of football by any player ever. Uh, And then he goes to Jacksonville, and you can't get a full evaluation of that. It's his first game. He throws a beautiful, deep uh, touchdown pass, breaks his collarbone. When he comes back, Minshew magic is already happening. Uh, Foles goes back in for a second. He's ineffective, gets benched, and that's the end of his career there. So, like, when the Bears traded for him this year, I remember my feeling being like, all right, you know, that's not the guy that I wanted them to go out and get. I was in, I was on team cam to be perfectly honest and transparent. I just thought he would look so good in a bears uniform, get off the bus, running the ball, the whole bit. It just, that's what I wanted. Now that doesn't seem like it would have been a whole lot better, but Foles, it was like, of course, of course the Chicago bears and their fan base is always predicated on the backup quarterback is the guy that can fix this. And so we went out and got the best backup quarterback in NFL history, the number one insurance plan you could get for Mitch Trubisky. And so besides the fact that Pace threw away another pick 
to get him that he probably didn't have to throw away. I had no problem with it. I didn't. It's just that when with everything else failing, with the offensive line failing, with the scheme and the the overall offensive management in question, for everyone to turn to Nick Foles and be like, "So if you could just go ahead and like fix this." is uh, negligent at best uh, from the people who are making the decisions at Hallis Hall. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month. 73% of job, okay. Uh, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So, uh, no, Nick Foles ain't the guy, but I don't really blame him. I just feel bad for him. For sure. It's like, the, the I, I like the idea of just like going to Foles in that Atlanta game, and they won, I think, in large part because they made the switch to Foles. I think that game put him at three and one, I want to say. And, you know, that was a big deal. Or maybe it was even four and one at that point in the season. I forget. Uh, Point is that it was a good idea at the time. But Mm -hmm. it's clear that, like, there has been basically zero upgrade from Trubisky to Foles. Like, whatever upgrade uh, we could say is more, like, hypothetical almost. Like, me and you can argue about it and talk about the upgrade. But, like... I don't really think it's shown up on the field and you'd have to like, you know, dive into the DVOA stats and all the metrics to show you how the offense is performed with Mitch and how it's performed with Foles. My eye test says that it is not any better. No, it's, it's different bad, right? Like Mitch's thing was, we're not going to get sacked half as much, but there's going to be three misreads, two more timeouts that didn't need to happen. And then just frustratingly, like, you know, a handful of missed deep shots that had to be hit. It's just, it's the nature of this team. And and so, you know, before we get to big picture stuff, I think let's just try to push that off a little bit here and kind of focus on the game, this game a little bit more. I, when the game started off, I honestly thought like the opening script, the way the bears were moving down the field was actually pretty good. Like there was a really nice mix going on. It was just the same thing as usual, which is like after that opening script goes away, it's like, cool. So uh, we've seen what you're going to run here, Bears. Like the Vikings were kind of like, all right, thank you for your razzle dazzle. That worked once. Going back to the Wildcat again. I mean, (sighs) meanwhile, did they did they run the ball for uh, Lamar Miller once? I think Artavis Pierce got you know, one toss sweep and he ran out of bounds when he still had an extra six yards to, to collect down the sidelines inexplicably. So uh, he's not the guy. And then you get into the third quarter, which clearly at this point is just absolutely in the bear's heads. I, the inability to make adjustments. And I think you and I texted about it a couple times. Was it every single third down that the, the Vikings brought pressure? I mean, literally every one, like, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't uh, zone blitz. Where is it coming from? It was just, here's pressure in your face. The Bears have like 
four verts running every third down. No screen pass, no short routes, no hot routes. It just felt like the Bears, whether it's Nagy or Laser or anybody else, they just feel slow, so slow to make any sort of adjustments to what's going on on the field. We're sitting here as super fans talking about things like in the middle of them happening. It feels like they should be a step ahead of that, and yet – you know, you get to the end of the game and all of a sudden the clock's running out and they're running the hurry up with Tyler Bray. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the third down thing was driving me insane. I mean, there, there's so much there that we could try to go through. And uh, the text I was getting about Foles, I was really laughing at. And I was going planning to, you know, say him on this podcast. Now I'm not going to say him because we don't really know what Foles' injury is. Football is obviously a very dangerous sport. Hopefully Nick Foles is okay uh, because he looked to be in some serious pain. But what was really bothering me about the play calling, as you just alluded to, dude, it's like you know they're blitzing on third down. The Bears had no recourse to beat a blitz. And then they tried it on the last possession. They threw like the little screen pass on Uh, third and five uh. just because they wanted to get the ball out quick. I'm like, hey, they got the ball out this time. Receiver crushed immediately. Horrible play call. Would it like kill? It's so obvious. Would it kill them to like run a quick slant, to run a button hook, to get two guys? I think it's called a mesh route when two guys cross over the middle. Like, yes. can we get? You can tell I actually started playing Madden this week for the first time in eight <laughs> years, so I know what a mesh route is now. Uh, Good job, buddy. By Good the job. way, I got Russell Wilson, so I just fixed the Bears overnight. But give me something in terms of the play calling, like either a button hook, the crossing routes, the quick slant. You got to do something to make it like a rhythm play to beat the blitz, get the ball out in time, at least throw the ball five, six yards down the field. But, dude, they were running like basically four verts every time they drop back to pass, it seems like, on third down. The blitz is getting there before Foles can even get in the fourth step of his drop, basically. Had no chance. And there was no counter the entire game. Laser like never picked this up. And meanwhile, I'm looking at Twitter and everyone's like, guess what the Vikings did on third down for the yeah. seventh third down in a row. Yeah. The, the Twitter no- Twitter dunking on the Bears is just like, remember Sean Bradley? Uh, <laughs> it's it's not it's not funny after a while. Right. Like after he gets yammed on the 8000th time, it's just kind of mean. And now I'm like watching the Bears get yammed on for play calling. And I'm like. It's mean, guy. Just stop. He's already he's already dead. Uh, all right, just targets tonight. Just passing targets, and it's really you know talk about small sample sizes. Like you know, fifteen to twenty six for one hundred and six, and then Tyler Bray in his uh, legendary. It's not his debut. I think he took four snaps once. One of five for eighteen yards, and a fourth down pass that shall live in infamy as the fucking worst pass I've ever seen in my entire life. It. I don't even know what happened. Did he close his eyes to throw it? I don't know. But uh, Allen Robinson, nine targets, six catches for 43 yards, an average of 7.2. He looks like he hates his job. Like, hates his job. That dude is gone, gone next year. Uh, I know that the Bears have the right to franchise him. More and more, it seems, the sense I'm getting, and this is just me looking at it is like the bears are going to be like, you should go be happy somewhere. And we're just going to let you kind of go on. Uh, Anthony Miller, two catches on seven targets. I am personally done with the Anthony Miller experience. Are you, Uh, you know what? He looked pretty good as a punt returner. That was like the most juice I've ever seen him have as a bears player was him returning those punts. He actually like put together some pretty cool jukes so that looked good, but yeah, I mean Miller definitely a player they traded up in the draft to acquire. The oh yeah, no, nah, it's an, it's another blown pick. It's, it's clearly a, another. Blown it's pick. not just another blown pick. It's a blown pick that you mortgage future picks to secure. Ryan Pace always gets his guy, especially when that guy fucking sucks. Apparently, you gotta have conviction. You gotta have <laughs> conviction about these guys. Conviction about guys that you're wrong about. Uh, Anthony Miller clearly has talent, but uh, ball security issues are uh, a massive issue and every time I see him holding the ball I'm holding my breath until he's like confirmed down on the ground on his second punt return he's running down the field holding it in his hand like a bottle of beer and then you know he wonders why he puts the ball on the ground from time to time inexplicable in his third year to still be carrying the ball like that yeah but that was a sick punt return it was great it was great and listen to me Mr. Negative here I am 
uh, once again, finding the things that are wrong. We're going to get positive here in a second because we're going to talk about the defense. But let me just finish this up really quick. Uh, Cole Komet did catch a pass. He had to intercept it from Allen Robinson to get it. Uh, Ryan Nall, garbage time catch. Cordell Patterson, I mean, uh, tw- what do you get? 12 carries for 30 yards. And then a couple of catches. Uh, special teams return for a kickoff return for a touchdown. Uh, I mean, the guy was all over the field. And when Cordell or Patterson is the focal point of your offense, so how did the Bears keep falling into this? Devin Hester was a number one wide receiver on a team because they had nothing else going on. And now it's happened with Cordell fucking Patterson. Uh, just kill me. In terms of good news, <laughs> let's at least talk about the defense for a second uh, because it, it, I know that we're pissing away this season and pissing away these efforts, but I think that's why this is painful. It Like, if everything sucked, we would just say, blow it up. This is like a, you know, because the Bears are a 3-13 and offense. I think that's being kind at this point. I think they're a 12-4 and or 11-5 and defense, and it sucks to see that wasted. Uh, it's such a, such a familiar feeling. Roquan Smith has leveled up, ladies and gentlemen. That is a Pro Bowl player, and he was all over the fucking field tonight. Uh, 14 tackles, one sack, three tackles for loss, a QB hit. He's playing as good as any linebacker in the league right now, and I think it's important to revisit this right now because at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of, hey, this guy needs to take the next step. It's time. It's time. And then a couple of games into the season, oh, it's not happening. Did the Bears blow another first-round pick? If he can keep up what he's doing now, it almost redeems some of Ryan Pace's other decisions because this is the first uh, first-round pick that the Bears have had that has really popped in a Bears uniform. And I say that specifically because Leonard Floyd had three sacks for the Los Angeles Rams this weekend. Totally. Uh, I sent a couple texts on that during the game while I was watching it to my friends and family. I thought Roquan looked awesome. And, you know, when Roquan was drafted, like the book on him was, oh, this guy's your elite coverage linebacker for the modern era. Yep. I, he's really good on the blitz, though. Like, I did not really expect good. that from him, right? Like, I'm like, maybe they should blitz him more. Are, are teams, like, not scheming for him blitzing because he has his reputation as a coverage linebacker? He's, he's pretty good pressuring he's the quarterback. He's fast as hell. Yeah, yeah, and you think of that speed playing sideline to sideline, but it plays downhill too. So I think that Roquan is the one guy we can actually say over the last three years of the Matt Nagy experience, he's like improved year over year, right? Like he was the young guy in 18, seemed like he had potential. He wasn't real. he didn't really have production back then though, but he got a little bit better last year and this year he's even better. And like you said, you know, I think that he probably is worthy of accolades like the Pro Bowl. So uh, good for Roquan. Roquan is awesome. That I'm very happy to see that. And we just named a positive thing on this Bears podcast, so that's a first for us. Yep. Mar- Timestamp. Uh, we'll use this as the snippet, the social snippet. Um, between Look, between Roquan, Eddie Jackson, uh, uh, Kyle Fuller, you've got and obviously Khalil Mack, you've got, and, and Akeem Hicks, like he's getting up. He's third turned 31 today, pulled his hamstring running down after Kirk cousins. You can kind of see, you can see like the physicality of the game catching up to him a little bit at this point. Like he's nicked up a lot. I really hope that the bye week is able to be enough to get him back on the field, but you know, he pulled up lame and he, he didn't come back in the game. So that's a little bit of a concern going forward. The bears still have like, Good depth. Bilal Nichols flash tonight. Um, Barkevius Mingo, who's just like a one-year vet guy. Like Because you have these blue-chip players, it allows other guys to come in and find a role on the team. Like Just like we, we were talking about at the outset, where why do we never talk about a Bears offensive draft pick that really flashes? It's because they don't have those blue-chip players that allow them to slot in, find a role, and succeed in that smaller role. Uh, the one guy I want to highlight and talk about, because it's been a bust so far, is Robert Quinn. Oh, yeah. Robert Quinn, who, you know, is now on the Bears cap sheet for a couple of years with a ton of guaranteed money. First of all, just cosmetically, I hate the loose white sleeves Jay Cutler look. Remember that one where he'd come out and just like have a big loose sweatshirt underneath his jersey? Why does Robert Quinn have that? It feels like something for an offensive lineman to grab onto. Aren't you supposed to be like a greased pig with like barely any shoulder pads and you know like you're supposed to be 
really hard to grab. He's sitting out there with like a loose flowing hoodie sweatshirt on underneath his uh, pads. But beyond that, like absolutely devoid of impact. I think he had one QB hit tonight. That's being a little bit generous. He has one sack on the season. It was his first play of the entire year. Uh, He's been largely invisible since then, and he's being paid a shitload of money. Meanwhile, you see Leonard Floyd over on the Rams succeeding, and it begs the question of, would he be having that success on the Bears? Did he mature into the player they always hoped he would be just this year? Or is it about the supporting talent around him and the coaching staff around him? And that's just a question we're not going to get an answer to. But at the end of the day, the Bears made a huge roster decision in order to do that. There's other guys, offensive linemen they could have brought in. A lot of things they could have done with that money. It's gone to Robert Quinn, and he has not answered the call this far. Yeah, and now like going back to them signing the deal, the thought process was like, well, maybe by getting a great pass rusher opposite Mac, and obviously Leonard Floyd couldn't live up to, you know, his draft status, the hopes they had for him, that maybe it unlocks Mac to be a more impactful pass rusher. Well, we really haven't seen Mac perform at his 2018 level. He did have the interception today. I all, I still like Mac. Like I want Mac to be involved, make plays. I really don't want to turn into one of these guys who's like mad at the players for making too much money. So I like Mac, but it's like if there's one thing that I would have faith in the Bears to do, it's like to just pick up a guy off the street, sort of like Roy, like Robertson Harris, kind of like Akeem Hicks, who is sort of like a low buy free agent, right, and turn them into a productive player. Maybe your cap space should go to fixing the offense that's absolutely freaking terrible. But instead, they give all their cap space to another pass rusher so they're just like putting so many resources in the pass rush and now quinn has been it's been a disaster right it's been a total failure if you're ryan pace or you're trying to defend ryan pace you go all right the bears needed that complimentary pass rusher all year last year and never had it and they gave leonard floyd every opportunity in the world and they did give him the what is it the fifth year option for rookies and they held it, and then and they're like, all right, we'll see what happens at free agency. They got Robert Quinn. They're like, all right, that's an upgrade for us. That's a veteran. That you know, he was by a lot of different statistics one of the most effective pass rushers last year for the Cowboys. Um, we're going to rescind the fifth year option on Floyd and move on from him and get a guaranteed compliment to um, to Khalil Mack. I will say in defense of Khalil Mack. He was a monster against Tampa Bay, if you remember that game. An absolute, like, Tom Brady holding up four fingers is really the one positive highlight from the season. And it was because Mac and the rest of the Bears defense absolutely clobbered him the entire night. Uh, two weeks ago, Akeem Hicks got his ankle rolled up on, high ankle sprain. He's playing through it. Um, that It's questionable whether or not that he should be. Uh, he's certainly effective out there. It's just he isn't at 100%, and hopefully these two weeks off gets him back to that place. But, look, either way, the Bears' defense is great, uh, like objectively great. And even though they gave up a few plays here or there, they bottled up an incredible running back, what I would argue is the best running back in the league right now. And they absolutely bottled him up after he went off for 200 yards two weeks straight. So it's just another one of these wasted efforts. The Bears are now 5-5. Five and five. Uh, they're in second place in the division, but that's not going to last after the bye. Minnesota and Detroit are both four and five. They're out of the playoff picture at the moment, and given the number of teams they're going to have to jump, and just putting aside records and seeding and everything else, the fact that they can't score an offensive touchdown, this is exactly where we were last year, where it was like, oh, where will we ever find any hope? And they managed to string together a couple wins there at the end to get to eight and eight. It sort of leaves you with the question of like, what what is the next thing this franchise should do? The season is going to play out. The Bears are going to finish seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven if they can really make the turnaround. Let's just say it's the end of the season and that's what happens. And pick which you know, whichever one of those numbers works for you. Ricky, what are you doing? What what is like your plan going into the offseason? Oh well to me there's no question that they should just fire pace and fire Nagy and just rebuild it. Blow it up. Uh, because I think that like you know, they they built this team up to have a window, and I think that that window is already trending downward. I think they have no realistic upside, even in their best-case scenario. They have no realistic upside towards any sort of contention. So, yeah, you got to blow it up. You got to build from scratch. And to me, the worst thing you could do would be to, like, give it one more year because then it's just like, 
we're going into next season. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what sort of short-term fix they could make. I'm sure they would probably just find a way to get another quarterback and we'll have another Nick Foles-like, Mike Glennon-like character to pin our hopes on. But uh, it just would seem like such a, a wasted season of just like, all right, well, I guess there's one more meaningless Bears season before I die or meaningful Bears season before I die, right? It's like a total holding pattern year. So, yeah, I agree with you that now all the chatter is like, oh, they're going to lose out, bro. We're going to get in this QB mix next year. First of all, whoever drafts the next QB for the Bears should not be Ryan Pace. I do not want Ryan Pace picking another quarterback for this franchise. And secondly, they already got five wins. There's already a bunch of teams who probably aren't even going to get to five wins on the year. And they're playing Houston. They're playing Jacksonville. Those teams are incentivized to lose. So... You know, they still got Detroit. I don't know, man. This was really a, a must-win game, I thought, for them to make the playoffs. And now, like, you could – it just goes to the next game, right, which is at Green Bay, Sunday night football. Dude, they have, oh, like – I'm going to say they have a 2% chance to win that game. And that's going to be a national embarrassment. And like, this was already national TV. That's going to be the big one. And is Foles even going to play? You know, it's too early to guess, but, like – if Foles is out and we're starting Tyler Bray in that game, I mean, dude, just like then at that mm. point, maybe they do go. Five is it 11. Tyler Bray though, Ricky? Could it be the return of one oh, Mitchell man. Trubisky? Actually, I would love that. <laughs> that would be <laughs> Me fun. Too. It would be so good because for the first time in the Mitch era, there would be no strings attached. The stakes would be completely removed. He no longer has this burden of being. The franchise hope. No, it's over. They cut the cord already. The only reason he'd be coming in is because Foles is hurt. And suddenly, Mitch Trubisky could be a free man. (laughs) God damn, does Chicago love a backup quarterback? Holy fucking shit. It, It is possible. So, Mitch went out, you know, two weeks ago. He played one play. He hurt his shoulder. Then he had to go see... Dr. Neil at Trache, uh, you know, surgeon of the stars to see the state of his shoulder. They said no surgery, two to three weeks break, uh, you know, to heal. And that was about 10 days ago. Was it? We'll call it two weeks ago. That's kind of a guess on my part, but that feels right. You got a bye week next week. It is entirely plausible that Mitch is healthy enough to suit up when the Bears come back to play Green Bay on Sunday night, the week after next. And then the qu- the question remains, what is the state of Nick Foles? Um, Nagy said in his press conference, and I'm just reading this now, that uh, he, he's in a lot of pain and he's very upset, but he's day-to-day. Uh, so obviously we're going to get more reports as this goes on. Uh, two weeks is a lot of time to heal. I do not want to guess uh, what's wrong with him. A a lot of like conjecture suggested hip back. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that he got thrown to the ground really, really hard and he did not get up from it. So um, rather than kind of like play fast and loose with the facts of, you know, a medical injury, I would just say that if he is to be out uh, and the bears have to play somebody else, it would be really, really satisfying. And the narrative is already pre delicious that Mitch could come back to play at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers and rescue the Bears from them, themselves in this horrific offensive season. I would, I personally would just love to see that. You just actually made me invested in the next Bears game, which I did not think was going to happen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I thought that there was no hope for this Packers game, especially even coming after the bye week. Like, whatever. If Fultz isn't at 100%, like – that game's going to be a wash, even if he is at 100%. They're going to get smoked. But now, Zach, you just gave me the greatest <laughs> sales pitch to still be invested in the Bears. Mitch, baby, the backup QB coming in to save the day. I love it. He's back. The wait is finally over. Football is back. I mean, it's been back for a while, but now it's extra back. You might not be at a game this year, although you might. They just keep rolling them in there every week. There seems to be 2,000 more people sneaking in. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
Sorry, tangent. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. You can be like me, where you bet a four-team teaser and feel awesome about it and win the first three games, and then unknowingly, Aaron Rodgers shits the bed against the Buccaneers, and your teaser dies again, and you live to play another day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. As it pertains to the rest of the team, the rest of the season, all that kind of stuff, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it This is just going to be a slog the rest of the way. I think it was uh, Lewis Riddick on the on the broadcast saying that, like, you know, the Bears have a lot of things they could do and should do, but they can't implement it in the middle of the season, which I shake my head at that. They've had multiple seasons now to implement the things they want to implement and to establish a foundation. I don't know why the Bears always seem to be chasing after what it is they uh, intend to do. I understand that this is a crazy year. I understand that like COVID and everything else has made it impossible to create continuity, but other teams score touchdowns and other teams are dealing with those same issues on the defensive side of the football. Then you look at a team like, um, you know, the Seattle Seahawks that like can't stop a nosebleed. And, and I would actually put the Minnesota Vikings among those teams that absolutely could not stop anything then the Bears are here to make you feel good about your your defense. Uh, the Titans, the Titans are another team that could not get off the field. Ben Simmons has a lower free throw percentage than the Tennessee Titans do third down conversion stoppage. And yet, the Bears went two for 15 against them last week. So if you're an NFL defense, boy, do I have an offense you want to play. Uh, and the Packers are amongst them. The Packers, not so great on defense either, especially against the run. So they have a get a get good game against the Bears in two weeks. As for the end of the season and and what's coming next, I, I know we're, we'll get into this more and more, but having done a little bit of analysis and read a bunch of people on the interwebs, here this these are the two avenues that the Bears have this offseason, Ricky. Whether or not Pace and Nagy stay is one thing. I think we need to prepare ourselves for the reality of them coming back for one more year because of the winning record they've had up to this point the talent that they have brought in um, and just sort of like it's the last year of their contract. I think pace has more time on his, but it's the last of Nagy's and he's still a winning head coach. Uh, the, the locker room has stuck together. So let's just say the season slides out into immediate, the mediocrity we've talked about. Here's what's available to them from a salary cap perspective. Okay. They can, because they're capped out and have this issue and that issue, they can invest multiple assets, including their first round pick and a little bit of free agent money in revamping the offensive line and then allowing Nick Foles to run that and then bringing in some sort of backup, you know, street back, whatever, whatever guy they can get in for veterans minimum or, you know, just a little bit and then fill out, you know, rotational defensive line, all that kind of stuff. Get another safety because Tayshawn Gibson was a one year deal, He's been all great. that sort of thing. Oh, he's been great. You know, speaking of signings that weren't working out, credit where credit's due, Tayshawn Gibson has been a wonderful addition to the team on the super cheap. Um, so they can go that avenue, which is these. this is the QB we have. These are the pieces we have. Let's put everything we have into getting a first-round pick, uh, draft pick on the offensive line. And by the way, there are a lot of really interesting prospects, uh, offensive tackles in the mid-first round. So it looks like there should be – guys there that aren't necessarily a reach and then going on the free agent market and trying to replace either Bobby Massey or Charles Leno or Jermaine Afidi or Rashard Coward or for God's sake just about any of them save for James Daniels and Cody Whitehair or Ricky they can trade up or try to hang in there with a the pick they have to take a QB in the first round there there's now projected to be four first round QBs uh, and then do what they can with second round pick as well as a little bit of free agent money to fill out the offensive line and revamp it somewhat and go into next season with a bridge to a future quarterback and a future, uh, future, hopefully, NFL offense. Given those two options, which way do you go? 
I mean, you made the second one sound a lot more appealing, but yeah. Ryan Pace is still making that decision in this scenario. You know, it's... So, like, what what was uh, Foles' contract status? How long is he under contract for? It was, you know, this is kind of, like, off the cuff, but uh, if I remember correctly, they redid it so he could be on the Bears um, this season, and I believe he's got next year absolutely guaranteed uh, and possibly the year after in terms of, like, dead money. Like, it not they're just not being a contract out. I know, I know. Next year, the year after that is in question. Let's just kind of look that up while we talk. Yeah, in the NFL, NFL contracts are weird anyway, right? Because they're not guaranteed. You can get cut at any time. There's always like you look at the free agent list, and then there's like five more great free agents because guys just get yeah. cut. But yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go with the second option you laid out there, and you know, depending on how many more games the Bears win the rest of the season, depending on the injuries to Foles and Trubisky. Uh, you know, maybe they could be in position to get one of those four guys. I think Zach Wilson is the BYU quarterback yeah. who everyone loves yep. now. There's also Trey Lance. The Florida QB is, like, massive, and he's supposed to be pretty good. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's good. So, uh, Trask? Yeah, that Trask, right? yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could do that, and there's no better deal in football from a salary cap perspective than a young quarterback. So if you're looking for a way to, like, save money i can't imagine a rookie qb would be worse than the production they've gotten a quarterback thus far so either way they're committed financially to nick Foles next year they have an out after 2021 to move on from him but next year he is on the team come hell or high water and so if they take a qb prospect they he's it's a developmental year he's playing against nick Foles for the position and they still haven't totally revamped the offensive line, which I think you and I can both agree needs two, if not three new players. Yeah. And they need to get healthy and absolutely. But even like the backups need to be revamped. They need two or three new linemen. Minimum. Absolutely. So it, so then you go, okay. Uh, I almost feel like, and, and again, this is way, way ahead of it. It's just kind of fun to pontificate, but like you almost let the board fall to you when draft day comes. It's like, are one of these quarterbacks on the board and you don't have to fucking reach for them and trade away your entire future, then yeah. And and if you, and you like him, it's the one you want, et cetera, et cetera. Then yeah, like pull the trigger. But if not, let it go. Just make a crazy offensive line next year. Get in like, you know, four new guys, a top, you know, a first round draft pick, a top free agent, and then some depth and let, and fill out that line. Give Nick Foles a chance back there to actually do something uh, figure out what you're going to do from a play calling perspective. Have an actual identity in mind. Uh, let's get another running back back there to kind of complement David Montgomery and run it back. And if and when that fails from a quarterback perspective, you go, okay, like that's it. We are drafting one next year. By the way, we're going to move on from Matt Nagy. By the way, we're moving on from Ryan Pace. And the guy that's selecting him, Ricky, is not the guy that you're afraid of having select. So given all of that, I kind of just want to see it play out the way it should i cannot have the bears trading future assets trying to save the window the championship window of this defense when there's so much broken on the offensive side of the football yeah yeah i mean it's it's just seems so hard to build an nfl contender your your windows in terms of uh when guys are on rookie deals when you know guys are getting re-signed to big deals those windows really have to like perfectly line up for you to be able to check all the boxes on a football team. And yeah, like, you know, even if you have a great offense or something, like one position group can really tank you. Like we've seen the Bears before with like really bad safeties and that's hurt them, you know? So uh, totally. team building in the NFL is super hard. I would just love to see the Bears blow it up and to just start fresh. We don't think it's going to happen. We think that Nagy and Pace are going to be here for next year, but we got the, a purgatory. The vibe sure. around the city, man. Everyone knows that they got to push the restart button, and I don't know if the rest of the league is caught up with that. I saw a list recently of like coaches who might get fired, and, and he's not on Nagy the list. was not on there coming into yeah. coming into this week. So yeah. we'll see how bad it gets, though. Yeah, we'll see. Look, team building in the NFL to me is you get a you get a franchise quarterback and you can reset it three, four or five different times. Like Houston right now is in in the middle of a blow up. Right. But they've got the guy, they've got their guy. And it's like, are they terrible right now? They're God fucking awful. And there's, 
it's maybe a bad example because their previous regime traded away all their first round picks. Uh, again, you know, note to Ryan Pace, stop doing that. Uh, but they've got a franchise quarterback, and that's the sort of thing. It's like, cool, there's 15 years of continuity in a year-to-year league where it's like you can't count. You know, Dallas had that amazing offensive line, and then three years later it's in tatters. It just feels like it's so, so, so hard to find any sort of continuity from a contract perspective, from a health perspective, from a you know league trend shifting perspective. Like you either have offensive guru head coaches – uh, Kyle Shanahan's, um, you know, Sean McVay's guys like that, you know, obviously Belichick knows how to like cycle guys in year in, year out and has an operation or you have a quarterback that year in, year out, you can put pieces around him and he finds a way to make it good. I guarantee you if the Packers didn't have Aaron Rodgers, like none of this other shit would be working. It's just, a, it's predicated on him being uh, a hall of fame quarterback. So until the bears find a good quarterback and you and I may be on our deathbeds having the same podcast conversation. Uh, it really, you can't, you can't fix this thing long term. You can only keep throwing band-aids at it. New offensive lineman, new tight end group. If only we had a new running back, if only we had the right running back, let's change play callers. And I think unfortunately one way or another, you and I are, um, destined to exist in that space for the for the foreseeable future so given all that super positive stuff and the background of 2020 being a a nuclear bomb of a year can we have some like fun bulls stuff just leading into the wednesday draft just before we take off here yeah sure i'm excited about what the bulls could do and i think my main takeaway is that Karnaschovas is so tight-lipped about everything. So, you know, all the mock drafts are tying the Bulls to Denny Avdia. And, uh, you know, I I feel like people are throwing out some ideas, some trade ideas that they like, but there's nothing substantial. No one has any intel on what Karnaschovas is going to do. And I think that that's kind of, like, secretive and cool and exciting Mm -hmm. for the Bulls. And, yeah, I mean, it's all on the table. My new thought process is after the Bulls made their qualifying offer decisions today, kind of strange, but so they let go of Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison. Uh, They decided to give Denzel Valentine the qualifying offer. So that was, quite frankly, pretty surprising, right? Like, Valentine was in the doghouse. Dunn, elite defensive player, can't play offense for shit, had a high qualifying offer. Shaq Harrison is like a baby version of Dunn. He gives you maybe 75% of what Dunn does, and he only costs $2 million on the qualifying offer, and they didn't extend those. So takeaways from this. First of all, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think it's that Karnaschov is, is not wedded to any of the current players on the roster, right? Like, we spent this whole year wondering, or this whole past season wondering, like, oh, what's a fair deal for Chris Dunn? Chris Dunn has some really unique strengths. Karnaschov is like, this isn't my guy. I don't care. Get out of here. And he let Chris Dunn go and, you know, find a market for himself, right? Like, they could have extended the qualifying offer, tried to work out a sign-and-trade. Instead, he's like, you know what, Chris? You do you. We're just going to move on. Same thing with Shaq. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is that Dunn and Shaq are obviously both basically zeros on offense, whereas Denzel Valentine kind of, he's a zero on defense, but he has like some sneaky offensive skill that he just does. has not been flushed out in Chicago. So the question is like, is this sort of the vision of what Karnaschovas wants to see? Like Valentine hypothetically has a dribble pass shoot skill set and doesn't play any defense. But they, they bet on him over the one-way defenders, right? They bet on the one-way offensive guy instead of the one-way defensive guys. So I'm curious. Like, you know, I'm kind of thinking they're going to take Halliburton right now. And I'm tempted to put it out there in the mock draft that I'm hmm. supposed to publish tomorrow. I don't know. They just let two guards go. Maybe I'm reading way too much into this. Obviously, the mock drafts have had them connected to Denny since the moment the lottery ended. Uh, but there's been some smoke lately on Halliburton, and Halliburton, you know, he can shoot. I would love He's that. a good passer. I, would uh, I wouldn't like it, to be honest. I really don't want Denny or Tyrese. I would take three guys over both of them, at least. My draft board would be number one, Killian Hayes, and then two, three, in some order, Isaac Okoro and Devin Vassell. So those would be mm. how I would do it. Uh, also, I could be totally wrong. I think that 
you know, Halliburton has some very defined strengths and some very defined weaknesses, and uh, he can definitely shoot. And, you know, he's not a guy who's going to, like, get to the rim. That's the big knock on him. Like, he doesn't That's get to the, the foul one. line. He's not a point right. guard, really. Because, like, if you can't beat someone off the dribble, you're not really a point guard. But he is a good complementary piece. And in the right, right situation, I think Halliburton could be very solid. It's just is the number four overall pick. I don't really want a context-dependent role player. But, you know, I could also be wrong about this, right? Halliburton could be better than my evaluation of him, of course, I've learned a lot of humility uh, giving draft takes out on podcasts <laughs> for the last seven years. So, I'd love to hear that supercut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, and I think, you know, again, I, I don't know shit, but like you say a number four pick in like the context of, you know, the ceiling a guy has is a number four pick. A 2020 number four pick is a more important contextual thing. This is a really weird draft. And a lot of guys have like these incredibly strong strengths and incredibly apparent weaknesses all at the same time. So do you pick a guy that's got, you know, a lot of complementary skills, but maybe not the same ceiling and not take the same risk uh, as, you know, uh, either Ball or Edwards or one of these guys where it's like, you know, flip a coin, man, who knows what you're going to get? Almost like it feels like those top three guys is almost like drafting a quarterback. It's like could be a superstar or might be a bust and you're looking for a job. Whereas some of these guys in the later lottery, it's like, no, no, no. It's like he's not going to be. Uh, a superstar, but you might find an incredibly powerful role player and potentially an all-star if things all uh, if things break right. For sure. And then I think to myself, I don't know what's Larry Markin like. He's a role player. I think Kobe yeah. White looks like a role player. I think I that, like Kobe. I think yeah, Kobe's I, got a chance to be a little better. Than he's that. Pretty, he's good, but I think like his his role is a a flashy role, which is sort of like microwave scorer. And maybe he mm. can flush out and become your your real engine. And actually, if you want to talk about like future fit down the road, if they get Halliburton, potentially he pairs really well with Kobe white, maybe. Right. right? And that's if Kobe can be this like engine of the offense, high level decision maker, get to, into the paint. That's my issue with Kobe is that Kobe can't get to the foul line either. He can't get to the paint. And when you're so reliant on pull-up shooting, like Kobe is, it's just so hard to have efficient offense because the way to manufacture efficient offense is driving the ball to the rim and either scoring at the rim or getting fouled going to the free throw, free throw line, right? You do need to have the pull-up shot in your bag. Like when the defense goes under the screen on the top of the key, you got to be able to pull up, hit the three. These are simple, basic reads that define NBA basketball these days. But at the same time, that can't be your whole game. So I think, you know, Kobe's got some areas for improvement in his game. I, I view Kobe as a microwave scorer, which is why I would want Killian Hayes because I think that potentially he could be that engine. Also, I don't have a ton of conviction in my Killian Hayes take this year. Like, I like him for sure. I would absolutely mm-hmm. take him at four, but uh, I, I wouldn't exactly want to, you know, bet the future on him. Like, to me, if he's not good enough, you just take another guy next year, and you keep trying to find that lead creator, because until you have that guy, chances are you're not going to be very good. Uh, the Bulls will have some, some solid options, though, at number four, no doubt. I think I've... Uh, Denny's sort of the sales pitch on Denny, if you want that real quick, is like in a so Denny doesn't really have a signature skill. I don't really. I'm weirdly out on this guy. I can't explain. Yeah, I don't really see a pathway for him having all star potential. But like in a draft where everyone else is majorly flawed, I I don't know, like maybe you take the six nine guy who's like pretty good at everything. Right, like that's sort of the sales pitch on him. He actually reminds me quite a bit of Miritich, but with passing instead of shooting is his kind of. Uh, I'm super fucking out now, Ricky. Yeah. Super out. Uh, Miritich, I don't know. I don't know how that guy did it. He was like uh, that guy. It was like being a cat that got petted backwards. Something about the way that he played, the way that he disappeared. It was a personality thing, and I don't think this is a, you know. You're not making this comparison to Denny. It's not about that, but my God, I just Denny pump fakes once and you're throwing. Oh, your... I'd be like, I'm out. I'm out, Ricky. <laughs> What'd you do? Through the TV, yeah. There is also a lot of smoke going on that the Bulls are looking for a lead offensive creator, and they understand the core problem of this roster, which is we can't evaluate any of these guys until we have uh, a primary fulcrum within which everything else can operate. So maybe they make a trade for that guy, you know, to bring in a veteran point guard that can actually put people where they need to be on the floor, get them the ball where they need to be, and that way this number four pick, you know, you don't have some, you know, 20-year-old coming in 
with uh, the pressure of the world on him to run an entire uh, NBA franchise on day one. So yeah. there's a lot that's going to play out in this insane week of free agency and trades and the draft all at the same time. It's NBA and cocaine. Let's go. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to leave you with this, though. I'm not going to top NBA and cocaine, but I'll just leave you with this. <laughs> you know, if Garpax was taking Denny at four, oh. I would have been like, fire these losers. They suck. <laughs> if they take Tyrese Halliburton at four, they're idiots. What are they doing? But now if Karnaschovas takes Halliburton or Denny at four, I'll be like, all right, I want to see the vision. Show me the vision, AK. <laughs> I know. Right? The like, freshness of this whole thing is good. You're absolutely right. Let, let me ask you this. Let, we'll, let, we'll leave it on this one. Who's the most Garpax pick in this lottery? I mean, it's got to be Halliburton, right? He's from, it does, doesn't he's from it? from Iowa State. He, yep. I don't think he has much off the dribble game. He, I, He's old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a sophomore, which makes him old. Yeah, yep. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Oh, I mean Wiseman, because I think Wiseman's totally overrated. But they're probably not going to have a pick, a chance at him. They would want to trade up for Wiseman probably if it was Garpack. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, R.J. Hampton would be another Garpax guy. I feel like he's sort of like he's raw. He's got athletic tools, but like I don't think he's got much tangible skill. Uh, he's a good developmental guy, but not like, you know, super high pick. I would take him at 14, but not four. So, yeah. That weird, that weirdly just reminded me that Chandler Hutchinson is still on the Bulls. I kind of like Chandler Hutchinson. I'm excited for Hutchinson this you year. You like Crutch? All right. I, he Who's can't he? stay healthy, right? But when he does stay healthy, I feel like he's got a little bit of juice, maybe. Like, he's – I th- he could – Yeah. You need wings, and he's at least the right size. You do. He is the right he size. Can't he can't shoot he, to save his life, though. He can't even make a free throw, so. Nope. Nope. Uh, it, he he had like a couple of moments of development last year, and then it was immediately hurt again. His shoulder, and then I never saw him again. So, uh, would love it if he popped this year. Um, not really counting on that one, but uh, we'll see. Either way, interesting week. Tons of going on for the Bulls. The, like the roster will start to take shape, and not only that, but the veil comes back back a little bit on who Karnaschovas is, what kind of team they value, what guys they've already decided are extraneous to their vision. And like, I think that is super interesting, not necessarily the players they bring in, but just what the overall philosophy of this team is beyond being a player development machine and a a give and go philosophy and that sort of thing. Like we can actually see where the rubber hits the road now. And I think that's super cool. Yeah. Love it. Let's see it. AK. We got nothing to root for football wise in this city. So yeah. Anyways, this is a Bears podcast. Lay it on us, man. <laughs> the Bears lose tonight 19-13 to to the Minnesota Vikings. Matt Nagy's first loss to the Vikings in his Bears career. Uh, definitely felt like he had a chance to get this one tonight, but the Bears just could not get it done on offense. They get a bye week next week, which means, Ricky, you and I get a bye week on this one. Uh, we'll be back uh, on Sunday night next week after the Packers game and Mitch's triumphant comeback to lead the Bears to victory and come back from the dead. Zombie Mitch taking the Bears to the playoffs at the end of the season. You believe any of that? I'm I'm, I'm all all in on Zombie Mitch era. Let's fucking do it. All right, dude. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, man. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks for the next one. Until then, bear down. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.